Good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining us today for our uh, sermon today. Uh, before we go into God's Word, uh, uh, we'll be going to Zephaniah chapter 1, verses 14 to 18, then uh, chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. Zephaniah chapter 1, uh, chapter 1, 14 to 18, then 2, chapter 2, verses 1, 2, and 3. But before we go into his word, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, I thank you once again for this day that you have given us. Father, I pray you continue to guide and be with each and every one of us. I pray you continue to guide and lead us, Father. Lead us into your word, Father. Give us an understanding, Father. Open our eyes and our mind to your word, Lord, that we may ponder these words, Lord, which you have for us. Guide and be with each and every one of us. Be with the listener, Lord, and whatever they may be going through, whatever uh, trouble they may be having, Father. I pray your hand be upon them, Lord. Guide them and lead them. Guide them and be with them, Father. Guide and continue to work in their lives, Lord. As we go through this pandemic, as we go through all these things that are occurring now, Father, and I pray your hand be upon each and every one of us, Lord. I ask all these things in your Son, Jesus Christ's name, Lord. Let it be. Amen. All right, Zephaniah chapter 1, starting at verse 14. The great day of the Lord is near, near and coming quickly. Listen, the cry of the day of the Lord will be bitter, the shouting of the warrior there. The, that day will be a day of wrath, a day of distress and anguish, a day of trouble and ruin, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and blackness, a day of trumpet and battle cry against the fortified city and against the corner tower. I will bring distress on the people and they will walk like blind men because they have sinned against the Lord. Their blood will be poured out like dust and their entrails like filth. Neither their silver nor their gold will be able to save them on the day of the Lord's wrath. In the, fi in the fiery in in the fire of his jealousy, the whole world will be consumed for he will make a sudden end of all who live in the earth. Chapter 2. Gather together, gather together, O shameful nation, before the appointed time arrives and that day sweeps you like chaff, before a fierce anger of the Lord comes upon you, before the day of the Lord's wrath comes upon you. Seek the Lord, all you humble of the land, you who do what he commands, seek righteousness, seek, seek righteousness, seek humility. Perhaps you will be sheltered on the day of the Lord's anger. Amen. In our sermon today, we're going to look at uh, the result of sin. And I've entitled this sermon, The Lord Intervenes, The Lord Steps In. Throughout time, the Lord wanted one thing from men and women, and that was obedience. Because Adam disobeyed God, sin entered into the world. And because of that sin, uh, because that sin came into the world, man has been at odds with God ever since. We've not been on the same stepping uh, of God ever since. We've not looked at things the same way. Now there comes a time when sin has to be dealt with. So in our scripture, it is presented to us as the day of the Lord. The time when the Lord intervenes to pass his judgment on sin. We always talk about the Lord intervening, but in a good way and in a positive way and, and somehow making things turn out better for us. 
Well, in this case, uh, things don't, when God, when the Lord intervenes, it, it doesn't come out the way we think. It doesn't come out all beautiful and flowers and, and a bright morning star, a bright morning uh, sun shining. It, it, it's a difficult passage to present, but this is what the Bible tells us about the day of the Lord. And in verse 14, the day of judgment is coming. The Lord has sent prophets to speak to the people about what is at hand or what is to take place. What is the result of their sin? The things that are headed their way. The prophets came on God's behalf and they spoke on his. Uh, they were men that were gifted by God. And they were men that that presented God's word to them. And this was God's way of communicating to his people. And so he sent these prophets to uh, the, the, the nation of Judah. And they were to listen to these prophets, these men of God. But that didn't turn out the way God had intended. They did not do what God had asked them to do. And we get a result of that in Jeremiah 6, 16, 6, 16 and 17. And that says this, this is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient past. Ask where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your soul. But you said we will not walk in it. I appointed watchmen over you and said, listen to the sound of the trumpet. But you said we will not listen. Many people may not respond in so bold a manner. But their actions indicate the true work of their heart. God may be calling someone who is in church into ministry, maybe. Or to take a bigger step to participate, have a bigger part in the church that they are attending. But they refuse because they are scared or simply just don't want to. I go to church on Sunday and that's good enough for me. I don't need to put any more effort in. I don't need to take more responsibility in the church. I don't need any more than just going to church on Sunday. And that's good enough for me. But when we do that and God wants us to take bigger steps in our walk with him, this type of response or this type of movement against the Lord is just like telling him no. I will not listen. I will not walk in your good way. I will not reflect on your word. I will not listen to your prophet. And it's just like these people did way back in the days of Jeremiah. They didn't listen and they didn't want to. They had God's word in the law, which was present, presented to Moses. They had his word, but they refused to listen. They refused to accept it and they refused to obey God and thus became disobedient toward God. And so the sin mounted up. Sin mounted up, began piling up against the people. Their own lives testified against their walk, their relationship with God. Their own lives testified against themselves. So if they had gone to court, all they would have to do was present themselves and they were not living the way they should. They were not living in God's word. They were not in a relationship with God. And so their whole entirety of their existence was a testimony against uh, against themselves. 
It may seem all is well at the time, but the Lord needs to deal with this type of disobedience. Nothing's going to happen to me. I don't need to be more involved in the church. I don't need to be more involved in prayer meeting. I don't need to be more involved in in, in doing what God needs me to do. But this type of disobedience needs to be uh, dealt with. And so, well, I'm not saying that, you know, because of that, something bad is going to happen to you, like you're going to get hurt or, or financially in want. What I am saying, though, is that the uh, culmination of sin as a whole will need to be dealt with. The Lord is not going to pick on you only or pick you out solely or pick me out only because of our individual sin. No, he is going to judge sin as a whole. The whole entirety of sin needs to be dealt with whatever sin is because sin is sin. Sin is disobedience to God, whether it's idol worship, sexual immorality, lying, cheating, gossiping, stealing, whatever it may be. Sin is sin and God needs to deal with sin. The following verses gives us an understanding of what will take place or what did take place in the time of Zephaniah. And God dealing with disobedience and dealing with sin. And we get verses 14 through 18 and the bitter battle. The day of the Lord will be a time will not be a time, excuse me, will not be a time when forgiveness is given. What I mean is this. The Lord is always willing to forgive, and He is a patient God and slow to anger. So the the Lord allots for plenty of time for repentance, for those to ask for forgiveness, to seek forgiveness from God to seek out God in their relationship, to have a relationship with God and His Son, Jesus Christ. There's always that ample amount of time because God is slow to anger. But when the ball starts rolling on His judgment, He is not seeking forgiveness, He is seeking the judgment on sin. He is seeking to look at his judgment, to take that sin and to pass his judgment on it. And any sin that that sin is just counter to God. It just is. And we're all walking in that. We're all in some form of that. From the littlest lie to whatever it is, the, the, the deepest, darkest sin, but sin is sin. We can't, we can't put it on that level. Lying is the same as, as adultery. Murder is the same as cheating because sin is sin. There's no levels of it. 
There's no level of sin because once you once you're a sinner, you're a sinner. And so we all fall into that. Praise the Lord. But praise the Lord even more that those who believe in Jesus Christ are sinners saved by grace. Hallelujah. Through the blood of Jesus Christ. But when God was coming into to Judah, this judgment will be bitter. Like a, like a tragic war that was coming upon them where you are on the losing end. This sounds harsh and sounds like God is, is not loving. God is not a God of love. He is a loving God. But the nation of Judah had been given ample amount of time to seek the Lord and ask for forgiveness. But that had never occurred. That had never taken place. They never sought out for forgiveness. They continued in their way, just like in the, the words of Jeremiah that the Lord spoke. They said, I will not. We will not listen. We will not walk in the ways of the Lord. They wanted to do their own thing. And it was mostly idol worship that they were guilty of. And so God has to present, God has to intervene here of this sin. Now think of this. Think of the worst day you, you've ever had. Think about it. I don't know if you've ever had a worst day, one day that sticks out in your mind. as like, man, that was a very bad day and I remember it so, so vividly. Now multiply that by a hundred, then you might just have a bit, a little tiny granule or understanding of what the day of the Lord will be like. Now we got to remember that, that, that God is using these, these people against his own people. The Babylonians will be used by God against his own people. They will march in and take Judah by storm, sweeping in. And the result is not pretty. The city of Jerusalem will fall and the people will not be spared. They will be walking around, fumbling like, like people in the dark, reaching. And I don't know if you've ever tried to get up at night and they'll try to reach, go to the, the, your wall and try and find the light. You're, you're, you're stumbling around and you're feeling on the wall trying to find the light switch. And that's what it'll be like. That these people were, were, were going, going to be shocked. They were not going to be, um, uh, in their normal environment, their normal routine. They will be shocked. And so as we look here, there's a movie that is called, uh, I believe it's Saving Private Ryan. And in this movie, in the beginning, um, these soldiers, uh, I believe it's the D-Day invasion, and they go upon the shore, and all these men are, all these soldiers are fighting and getting shot and gunned down. And there's one scene where this gentleman, I believe he would be a U.S. soldier, is shot and part of his arm is gone. And he's so distraught and so confused and so out of it, he's looking for his arm in this battle. He's looking around for it. 
And I do believe he finds it. But that's what's happening during the day of the Lord. It's, it's a distressful time. They will be confused. They will be so out of it. They will be in shock. They won't know what to make of it. They won't know the what's happening. But that's really funny. And you know what the funny thing is? Is that God is letting them know right now. This is what's going to happen. But when it does happen, they are not going to know what happened. They're going to be lost. They're going to be out of it. Much in the same way today. People are going to be shocked, confused, distraught on the day of the Lord. When the Lord comes back, when Jesus comes back, they will not know. Although the Bible presents itself, the Bible tells us what's going to take place. They are going to be distraught and confused. So the nation of Judah will not be able as well here. They have to go through this and they can't buy their way out with the silver or the gold that they have stashed away. They can't bribe the Babylonians to say, we'll give you this amount of money if you just back off. The Babylonians will like, give us the money, we're going to destroy you anyway. So either way, whether you bribe us or don't bribe us, we're going to come in and tear the town down anyway. So it didn't matter. They couldn't buy their way out of this. God has to come in. God needs to come in and deal with this idolatry that has taken place in Judah. And we come to chapter 2. These verses. And praise the Lord. There is a call. A final call here presented by Zephaniah, through, by the Lord through Zephaniah. A call for repentance. A call to stop doing what you're doing and turn back to the Lord. It says there in verse 1, gather together, gather together. An emphasis of come back together. Come back in one unit. And these verses let us know how awesome God is, how awesome a God we serve. And I'm not talking about what he can do for us, what he can provide for us, the money, the blessings, all this. No, he offers repentance. He offers salvation. Amen. God did not just come in and tear his people down. He gave them an opportunity He kept giving them the opportunity to seek his face and ask for forgiveness to be a repentant people for their disobedience to him. He kept giving them the opportunity of repentance. He calls them to assemble together to seek the Lord. He has the ability to forgive even as wicked as they are. Amen. You know how we know that? Because he's done it. If we look in the book of Jonah, 
chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. It says this, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amantiah. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. So this city was wicked. This city from all from one end to the other was wicked. And it's come before God. And it's pressing on him. And he needs to deal with that wickedness. He needs to deal with that sin in that city. And so he sends this prophet Jonah. And we're not going to get into the individual man Jonah himself and what he did. But we're going to talk about the city. And Jonah eventually spoke to the city of Nineveh. He did not preach a, hi, how you doing, guys? Uh, it came to bring you the good word of blessings and cheer and, and, and joy and favor and all of that. No, he didn't do that. He came and preached against the sin that was present in the city. He's saying you are a sinful city. You are a wicked city. And because of all of that sin and all of that wickedness, God is going to come in and tear this city down. You are in the crosshairs of God and you need to change what you're doing. And what was their response? How did they respond to it? The response was, we need to repent. And that came from the king of the city. There was no, well, let's wait and see what's going on. And maybe next week or, or maybe after that, because, you know, we, we're doing all right right now. And no, the king didn't allow that. There was an immediate response from the king upon hearing what Jonah's word was against their city, against the city they lived in. Jonah chapter 3 verses 8 and 10 tell us this. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God, praise the Lord. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. Amen. And that's what our response to God's word should be. That is what our response to God should be, to the Lord. We should turn from our ways, turn from the things that are distracting us from God. Because who knows? God may relent with compassion and turn his fierce anger so that we will not perish. Amen. And this is the final verse. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he had compassion and did not bring upon them the destruction he had threatened. Praise the Lord. With repentance comes salvation. With repentance comes safety. With repentance there comes life. Life in the Lord. Amen. The king humbled himself before the Lord and he asked for forgiveness 
for the wickedness they had committed. Zephaniah is pleading here in these verses with the people to seek the Lord. In verse 3, seek the Lord, all you humble of the land, you who do what he commands. Amen. As a whole, the nation of Judah did not respond to the plea of Zephaniah. And the people fell to the Babylonians, and the city was laid waste. That was the result of disobedience. That was the result of God intervening, coming in and intervening because of the sin that was taking place. Again, we must apply this to the, apply the word to, of the Lord in our lives and reflect upon it and ponder on it and think on these things. What does it mean for you and I? We understand as brothers and sisters in Christ that there is coming a time when the Lord is going to pass his judgment on this sinful world. We must be ready for it. We must live in obedience to his word and his will. If we are seeking his word and will for a will for our lives, then we too can fall to the wayside just like Judah. If we don't submit to his will, if we don't submit to his word, then we can fall just like Judah did, just like this nation did. We can fall to, to idols. We can fall to uh, wickedness, all these things. You know what they are. I don't even have to say them. If you don't repent, you will certainly fill yourself with wicked and evil. If you don't fill yourself with Jesus Christ, if you don't fill yourself with the Lord, if you don't fill yourself with his word, you will totally fall into wickedness. And today, if you don't know the Lord as your, as your personal Lord and Savior, I ask you to pray. I ask you to, to seek God in your life, to seek and repent to God. I can't give you a prayer to pray, but what I can give you is this. Know that you can get on your knees Ask for forgiveness and allow God to come into your life. Amen. For those of you brothers and sisters, if you are struggling at this time, again, that same applies to you. Seek his word. Get on your knees and pray and ask for that commitment, recommitment to God. Amen. So for each and every one of us, we know the day of the Lord is at hand. We know that Jesus Christ will come back one day. Let us be prepared. Let us always be prepared. Let us be on the ready. Let us be on the watch for his coming. Amen. Let us pray. Father, I thank you once again for this day that you have given us. 
I pray you continue to guide and lead each and every one of us, Lord, this day. Guide and lead me, Father. Guide and be with me, Father, as I bring your word, Father, that you would speak through me, Lord, in these uh, uh, recordings, Father, in these podcasts, Father. I pray your hand be upon your word. Be with the listener, Lord. I pray your hand be upon them. Comfort them and guide them and lead them, Lord. Strengthen them each and every day, Lord. And I pray you continue to be with us in this time of this uh pandemic, Lord. Continue to be with the family, Lord. Be with the the Colorado River Indian tribes, Father, that you watch over, guide, and be with each and every one of us here, Father, and in Arizona, and the United States, and around the world, Father, that you be with each and every country, Lord, that is affected by this, Lord. We know your hand is upon it, Father. Guide and lead each and every one of us, Lord. I ask all these things, Father. In your Son, Jesus Christ's name I pray, Lord, let it be. Amen. May the Lord bless you today. Go in peace. You are dismissed. Amen.